Chelsea Fairless. And this week on the Every Outfit podcast, we are doing our monthly rewatch of a Sex in the City episode. This month, it is the much requested shortcomings. Let's get into it. For such an iconic episode, I would say it's in the top five or top ten, right? If you're not a fan of Sex in the City, you know about the Justin Thoreau premature ejaculation episode. If you're not a fan of Sex in the City, I don't think people are, that aren't <laughs> fans of Sex in the City know about that. But I'm saying this is one of the more memorable episodes right if you had to off the top of your head name a few sex and the city episodes this is all to say that when i rewatched it this time i was very shocked to find out not much happened in this episode yeah you're right nothing is really of consequence in this episode quite like the title of this episode our episode might be quite short well we'll see about that we always think that but it's never the case so this episode starts with a Carrie voiceover. Truly unhinged. Everyone has a worse nightmare. For some, it's bathing suit season. Okay, that makes sense. For other, it's knowing your birth certificate can never be legally destroyed. Is this a problem for con artists or is the inference that it's about wanting to hide your age? I would assume if we're in season two, Sex and the City, it's about hiding your age. So these are just like really vain worst nightmares to have. Like what's your actual worst nightmare home invasion okay what's your worst nightmare I mean the rats no my worst nightmare is being incarcerated being in solitary confinement but then they just play the Frasier theme song on a loop (laughs) I don't think like knowing your birth certificate can never be legally destroyed is like that big of a deal personally right toss salad and scrambled eggs imagine just rocking in a corner listening to that for the rest of your life I don't know why but I did recently try to figure out like why is that theme song the way that it is and it's (laughs) purposely nonsense lyrics I think I'm just thinking about toss salad and scrambled eggs because Frasier is coming back apparently I've seen billboards all over town and whenever I see Kelsey Grammer's face I just can't help but think about that song oh do you think about the time that he fell off stage have you ever seen that clip no we got time this episode not much as we said not much happens in this episode through it's a small world pretending I was a UN interpreter (laughs) (laughs) okay that sparked joy anyway back to this episode for Miranda it was family hour at her gym which I guess family hour at the NYSC gym is just allowing children to roam free between the hours of 2 and 3 p.m. on a Sunday? Yeah, that does seem like hell. So Miranda gets in the elevator with a dad and his son... And the dad is rudely like, don't push the button. Yeah, and then follows it up with probably what should have been the introductory sentence. He loves to press the buttons, can he? Miranda, of course, is being nice because this guy is quite cute. In season two Sex and the City terms, he's quite cute. And of course, the kid presses every goddamn button, which I think this episode created a fear within myself that any elevator I get in with a child, they're going to do this. Yeah, this child has real, we need to talk about Kevin energy. So let's just call him Kevin throughout the remainder of this episode. Sure. Well, the the cute guy is Roger Cobb. I love the early Sex in the City names for the boyfriends of the week. 
They were very inspired. They all sound like pseudonyms, I guess, because they are. So even though this kid is incredibly annoying, the fact that he's pressed every button does allow Roger Cobb and Miranda to flirt. Although she's kind of like, I'm not going to fucking date a guy with a kid. So she quickly gets off of the elevator, but he's able to pull her back in for a drink. Yeah, he asks her out. And then over at the diner, Miranda discusses her predicament, likening dating a divorced man to chewing someone else's gum, which is insane. Like as if these aren't four of the most run through women in Manhattan. Well, yeah, she explains her predicament by being like, I don't wear vintage clothes. I hate flea markets and I don't collect antiques. So anyone that has been previously married and has a child is so ran through, it's like going to the Long Beach flea market or something. Except she's totally fucking lying because she wears vintage in this episode. Don't gaslight me, Miranda. But I guess what Miranda is asking for is, you know, just a man who isn't used previously, which is such an odd thing for a random 30-something cum dumpster to say. (laughs) What? Well, it's also bizarre because I think it's specifically the fact that he has a kid, right? Because Big's been married before. But in this episode, they make it seem, because they bring in Charlotte's brother, that anyone that's been divorced is obviously damaged goods. Because when you get married, you get married for good. Unless you're John James Preston, because I need him to be divorced so I, Carrie, can eventually marry him. Right. I did gloss over the existence of Charlotte's brother, which is the first time that one of the core four girls' family is mentioned, let alone actually in an episode. Well, who else do we meet from anyone's family? Miranda's sister. Okay, right. Becky and Baker. Yeah, siblings are very few and far between on this show. Which is two only children we can appreciate, but Sex in the City's adherence to never showing the family members of the girls, and beyond that, like, never invoking their family members is very bizarre. Especially because season one ends with showing Big's mother, who is someone you never see again. Or hear from again. Also, can we talk about these brunch looks a little? Because Carrie is wearing a really great hysteric glamour tank top that is very of the era. And Miranda has this really insane barrette moment that makes her look like a little girl. Like it actually reminds me of that character that Cynthia Nixon played on Law & Order SVU that had to Associative identity disorder like she had many personalities but one of them was a teenage girl that like was weirdly horny for Stabler and that is exactly how she looked well can women with short hair wear barrettes yes of course just not that one it's not that it looks bad I don't know it's just out of character or something it's not the best Miranda hair era either and take it from us we wrote we should all be Miranda's where we talked extensively about Miranda's hair so Charlotte has a brother named Wes Wesley, who was married to a woman named Leslie. That is pretty bad. I'm with Samantha on that. This seems like something that is not going to last. But it also does seem like something made out of, uh, I don't know, a wasp fairy tale. True. Cut to Carrie walking down the street with a writer that she's been dating named Von Weisel, played by Justin Thoreau, in his second appearance on Sex in the City. Carrie gave him some really, really good advice, which is don't be photographed in anything sleeveless. No one who went sleeveless ever won a Pulitzer. It's interesting that this Justin Thoreau appearing for the second time on Sex in the City as a different Sex in the City boyfriend is only in the second season. He appears as a different writer named Jared in season 
season one. He's back less than a year later as an entirely different character. It feels like a joke you would have done in the third or fourth season. Yeah, but his hair is so different that like, who can really tell that it's the same person? That's true. Did we mention he's a short story writer? The irony will come in later. So they swing by his parents' brownstone to drop something off. I never until this rewatch understood how bizarre it is, which he's made Carrie meet him on a random street corner to be like, oh, I just need to drop this off to my parents' house before we go see this movie. Yeah, that is weird. And Carrie is naturally resistant because she wasn't planning on meeting the parents, but she acquiesces and goes in and encounters a truly incredible family. This is the kind of New York family that you only see in Woody Allen films. Because everyone is like really loving, really smart and cultured, but also just like the correct amount of neurotic. Yeah, I always think that the father is Joey Pantoliano for some reason, but it's not. It's not. The mom, Wallace, is played by the late Valerie Harper, aka Rhoda from the Mary Tyler Moore show. Impeccable casting. She is a fan of Carrie's column and pitches a story about, was it vaginal rejuvenation or re-virginization? Virginization. I feel like vaginal rejuvenation is a is a distinctly post 9-11 concept. Well, she herself just finished a documentary on genital mutilation, of which she's still waiting for Justin Thoreau's notes on, which this is a hint of things to come, which is he's like, I can't even watch that thing. To be fair, like, I don't want to watch a documentary about female genital mutilation either. Not that it's not an important issue that we should be thinking about, but... I love that Justin Thoreau's father teaches a seminar on cultural zeitgeist. At Columbia, no less. I take that class. I'd audit that class now. We also meet Franny, the lesbian sister, who <laughs> is a truly bizarre portrayal of a lesbian because she's not really butch, but she talks like she's a truck driver. She's like, hey, like, who brought the girl? Yeah, she is giving Joey Tribbiani somehow. I guess late 90s lesbian is just Joey from Friends. You're right. It's very Joey from Friends. Justin Thoreau has another sister named Zoe. His sister's names are Franny and Zoe. After Sofia Coppola's favorite book, which we discussed in a recent VIP episode. But, you know, what can Valerie Harper say? J.D. Salinger used to get her high. Which is such a specific Upper East Side, Upper West Side intellectual compliment. Oh, for sure. You know what else this reminds me of? The Family Stone. Yeah. It's that zany liberal family minus like the terminal cancer. Well, we don't know. Carrie didn't hang around that family for more than a week, so we don't know what happens. She never did get that family stone. Carrie is in love with this family because within the space of five minutes, she had next week's column, an invitation to speak at an Ivy League university, and access to the entire Zabar's fish counter. Meanwhile, Miranda is on a date with Roger in Central Park. This is where she's wearing vintage because this is a vintage zebra print Gucci set that looks absolutely incredible on her, although it's kind of out of character. Yeah, it happens from time to time. I think we did this on the account. I think I posited that maybe Cynthia Nixon was like, I can't wear another zany t-shirt and parachute pants and like went into the carry wardrobe and was like, I can wear this, right? Yeah. Central Park. Although the textile, it does look vaguely Indian and sometimes Miranda does lean into that vibe. Anyway. 
anyway, she is talking to this guy and he's asking her if she's ever dated someone with a kid. And she's like, no, but I dated someone that wore women's underwear once. So truly bizarre. Uh, she is assaulted by Kevin. <laughs> Who brandishes a gigantic stick and whacks her in the head with it. Lauren, that's not a stick. That's like a full tree branch. Where do you get that tree branch? I have a lot of questions about this date. So you learn that it's not that he's just a divorced dad. He's a single dad. So I guess this kid is with him 24-7. But wouldn't you, if you got a date, which it seems like maybe he doesn't get dates very often... Wouldn't you splurge for a babysitter? So again, your date isn't assaulted by your future sociopathic son. Or presently sociopathic son. Anyway, he says he prefers to be married and is like a monogamous kind of guy that just wants stability and routine. And Oh, the quote is, I'm just one of those weird male aberrations who prefers to be married. Red flag. This is some psycho shit. If a man says that about <laughs> no, himself. No, it's not. What do you mean? It's the phrase of referring to himself as a weird male aberration. Okay, you're right. That is a little bizarre. Then Kevin gives Miranda a worm. And then the date's over. Although she is contemplating this vintage man on her modern couch. Again, he's not old. He's her age. He just happened to have a life before her, which involved getting married and having a kid, which I guess makes you useless. I know. It's like, while you were fucking no less than 30 men last year, he was just happily ensconced in a long-term relationship. They bemoan that no man wants to commit to them. And here is a man who's demonstrated he's been in a long-term relationship. And they're like, I don't want this either. Is rewatching Sex in the City making me a men's rights activist? <laughs> Meanwhile, Charlotte's brother is visiting her, staying at her house. He's separated from his wife, Leslie. Even though Charlotte has made muffins and it's presumably breakfast, he demands vodka. To be fair to Wesley, who we don't know very well because we never see him again. It could be any time of day because Charlotte is making these muffins because it's what Nana used to do for them to make them feel better. So these could be 4 p.m. muffins. We do not know. Okay, sorry for judging... Uh... Wesley. Even though it seems like Charlotte has not seen her brother or her sister-in-law in a while, she is very invested with them being married still. She's like, you had such a lovely wedding and like, you should figure it out. Relationships take work. To which he correctly says, like, Char, when was your last long-term relationship? Yeah. He does also have a great line, which when she says she doesn't have any vodka in the house, and he goes, and you call yourself a wasp. Meanwhile, Carrie is getting hot and heavy with Vaughn, but he premature ejaculates on her. Has this ever happened to you? I knew you were going to ask this question. The answer is no. <laughs> I wasn't going to judge you if it had. It's not a judgment on you. It's not a judgment on any man, actually. It's clearly a very common thing. No judgment on any woman, because I guess we're just that hot. <laughs> a few things. Vaughn's family is great. I have great parents. My partner gets along with my parents. I wouldn't classify it as foreplay, though. And it's very curious that Carrie's like, I just had to fuck him. Just hanging out with him and his family got me so hot. It was six hours of foreplay. Yeah, I guess that is a little weird. I mean, in the next scene, she refers to this family as the Tom Cruise of families. So Carrie is revealing this to her friends, which I don't know if I would reveal to Samantha that a guy prematurely ejaculated on me because I know what she's going to say. And it's exactly what she says, which is dump him because he cannot get his Cadillac in the garage. <laughs> 
the thing with this, the same issue that we have around Trey's erectile dysfunction, is that there's no other effort to sexually satisfy his partner, right? Oh, right. We do assume that they just ended the evening there. Yeah. Like, it's more of a red flag that he's making no effort with Carrie than the premature ejaculation itself. Right, because she writes it off as, which we'll see her do this behavior when she's got sexual issues with Berger in a few seasons as well. Also a writer, very curious, that, oh, well, maybe it was so much pressure with the family and this. But we later learned that Vaughn has consistently had this issue, potentially for his entire life, given Valerie Harper's commentary on it. So you would think that he would develop a routine to please the women that he's with. But no, he shuts down when this happens. Well, yeah, he's got to be like the guys with micro penises because my favorite fact that you have and you love to throw out you're the one that brings this up all the time I know but I just it, you uh, bring it up constantly but it is true that women who are with men with micro penises report having a more satisfying sex life facts I guess the same cannot be said for men like a Von Weisel so yeah Carrie's basically like I'm fucking him because of his family. Except I'm not fucking him. Honestly, maybe the best of both worlds. And this is where we get the incredible Samantha line, I fucked a guy once because his parents had a pool. And then she goes, I was 13. (laughs) I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I forgot that Samantha noted that she was 13 at the time. Also, hear me out. Maybe the next show in the Sex and the City extended universe could be a gritty origin story about Samantha coming of age in 1970s suburbia. Like it's basically like an updated version of Foxes or something. Like she's going to high school. She's working at the Dairy Queen. She's fucking that guy because his family has a pool. She has a little click of like other bad girls that hang out and live life on the edge like this could be the next euphoria she's stealing parliaments from the five and dime yeah it's basically like the runaways but without the band i don't know that sounds a lot better than the backstory we got that she was a bartender at cbgb's give me a fucking break sex in the city too and then we get the i couldn't help but wonder which is a very hooey i couldn't help but wonder and a very short and concise i couldn't help but wonder much in keeping with the theme of this episode. I couldn't help but wonder. In my mind, the complications of making a relationship work had just expanded exponentially. When you date someone, how many people become emotionally involved? When you sleep with someone, are you screwing the family? You know, season two is the beginning of the thing we love most about Sex and the City, which is the overarching theme that impacts each of the characters. Now, for Carrie... She's not literally, or I would say even metaphorically, screwing the family. I mean, she enjoys Vaughn's family very much. For Miranda, that's a much more sinister concept because it's like, she's not screwing little little Kevin. boy. Yeah. However, this is quite literally relevant to Samantha and Charlotte's storyline, although we haven't gotten there just yet. Yeah, when you sleep with someone, you are not screwing the family. When you marry someone, you become tethered to their family, and that's a different thing entirely. But when you fuck someone, that doesn't really apply, except for, as you just mentioned, perhaps with the Charlotte-Samantha situation. Maybe one of the weakest... I couldn't help but wonders. Yeah, because it doesn't even really have like a funny element to it. Like 
what was the one we did last month? The like I've been thinking about like heartbreak and partial lobotomies, lobotomies or yeah. something. You know, I find this less a I couldn't help but wonder, but more appropriately, it would have been a later that day I got to thinking. So Carrie decides to do more research and goes out to lunch with Valerie Harper. The mom is clearly telling Carrie all about her life, and Carrie's like, You've had five lives. I can't even make one happen. And then the mom like gives her a pep talk about how important her column is and it kind of segues into a conversation about how she raised her children to be open talking about sex and, you know, knowing the correct terms for their genitalia, blah, blah, blah. And because of that, now they come to her to talk about everything. And we mean everything. So Charlotte and her brother are at a bar. Carrie arrives with Samantha, which I love that Charlotte goes shit because it's clear that when Charlotte invited Carrie to this bar, she did not mean for Samantha to be there because she had a feeling what would happen was probably going to happen. Yeah. Although Samantha is dressed like she came here to fuck Charlotte's brother. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. But Charlotte really let this happen because she chose to go home early. Well, that's right. Because Charlotte pulls Carrie aside and is like, why the fuck did you bring her here? Do you think Carrie is playing dumb or is genuinely like, that's our friend Samantha. What are you talking about? She's not playing dumb. Like, she was not thinking about the fact that this would be an anxiety that Charlotte would have. Right. And then Wesley comes over and says, Samantha knows a great jazz bar. Charlotte plays herself, right? Because if Charlotte really wanted to stop her brother from fucking Samantha, which I think is impossible, but she would have tagged along and been the true definition of a third wheel. But instead, she got outplayed. She's like, I'm tired. He's like, all right, well, I'm going. So the next morning, Miranda is in bed with Roger. She gets up to go to the bathroom and pee, and Kevin bursts through the door without knocking. She instinctively just closes the door in his face. How was she to know his head was evidently right next to the door? The kid throws a fit. The dad gets upset. I don't know. I think he's being a dick about this because it's not as if Miranda showed flagrant disregard for his child's safety. Like that was a full accident. If Aiden can get a dog sitter to watch Pete so that he can go over to Carrie's house and fuck for the first time, I feel like this man can get a babysitter so he can go to Miranda's and have sex. This is fairly irresponsible just to introduce this woman that you're dating. Maybe not even dating, just having sex with around your child. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. I mean, did Miranda not know that the child was there? Because that's also a crazy move to go to your bathroom, or not even your bathroom, go to someone else's bathroom fully naked. Also, now that I'm thinking about it, he picked her up in front of the child. Like, the child has witnessed their entire romance firsthand. He didn't even take the time to vet Miranda and make sure she wasn't crazy before bringing her around the child. So maybe you are screwing the family, and this is actually, this does work for Miranda. Also, I'm convinced that they just redressed this the Miranda apartment set to be his apartment. They very well may have. So over at Charlotte's, 
she walks into her kitchen in the morning to find Samantha in her brother's t-shirt looking for coffee filters. Hey, Samantha wanted to make coffee. I think that's very sweet. It's interesting because in future seasons, Samantha discusses how she never sleeps over. So this is another just bizarre etiquette rule, which one, Samantha has her own place. I'm not sure why she went over to Charlotte's place to fuck her brother. (laughs) Two... From what we've heard of Samantha in her orgasmic state, I'm surprised that Charlotte didn't wake up. And three, that Samantha stayed over, slept over even, and is willing to make coffee for everyone. Charlotte is clearly horrified and says, is your vagina in the New York City guidebooks? Because it should be. It's the hottest spot in town. It's always open. Samantha correctly storms out. That was mean of Charlotte. And I'm on Samantha's side, obviously, but... It is a weird move for Samantha to have sex with her brother in her apartment. Like, even if I had a house guest and one of my friends fucked my house guest, in my house I would be like, what? Like, I'd laugh about it. I wouldn't be like this. But, like, it is weird. Like, that is kind of poor etiquette, I feel. For such a memorable episode, it still feels very early Sex in the City because I feel like if these same events happened in, say, season three or four, they would milk the comedic factor out a little bit more. Like, the fact that Miranda's boyfriend, like, that's the end of Miranda's storyline. I feel like in later Sex in the City episodes, we would have gotten a follow-up talk or like, you know, Miranda runs into him again and he's like, hey man, I I just got to focus on my kid. It's like he hugs his child and that's it. End of storyline. And the fact that Charlotte didn't hear Samantha and her brother having sex, I find very sus. I don't believe it. There's no truth in this art. So Wesley comes out and witnesses all of this. He gets mad at his sister. He explains that he needed sex uh, and that, you know, you got a really good friend there with Samantha which is the creepiest line ever. (laughs) I mean, I don't have siblings, but I don't think this is how siblings, adult or not, should talk to each other. Well, he also tells her that his soon-to-be ex-wife Leslie is frigid, that they haven't had sex in two years. Which horrifies Charlotte. She's like, oh, sorry, I was forcing you to stay married because I thought you guys were fucking. Now that I know you're not fucking, like, please get divorced. It's fine. It's weird that she is so ride or die for this marriage, having no idea what the reality of the marriage actually is. Connecticut is very far. I think one of the funniest lines in this whole episode is when Charlotte says that Samantha has so many notches on her bedpost that it's whittled down to a toothpick. Fuck off, Charlotte. Pretty funny. I think a good combo episode to watch would be Frenemies after this, when Charlotte and Samantha sort of swap, where Charlotte is so sexually frustrated that she's with all her waspy girlfriends. She's like, don't you ever want to get fucked oh yeah and then samantha meets the person that out samantha's her and she's like horrified that this woman will blow someone in public under a table yeah i love that episode meanwhile at carrie's house she is reading vaughn's book they try and have sex again oh this is when he goes don't touch it don't touch it (laughs) this scene is so fucking weird right because it begins with she wants to talk to him about how his mother was nominated for an Oscar and Justin Theroux's character very wisely is like I'd rather not talk about my mom as like we're I'd rather have sex with you and then he comes and then the comedic beat at the end is Carrie asks what film was she nominated for but it's very clear in this scene that he does not want to talk about any of this shit because as he says I've been talking about sex since I was two which leads you to believe that this problem is connected to that 
because he grew up in a household that talked about sex so openly, he kind of wanted to rebel against that and now kind of shuts down when people talk about sex. Probably not the best idea to date a sex columnist then. True. Charlotte apologizes to Samantha the only way she knows how, which is baking Nana's muffins. Although, given the timeline of this episode, I think she just regifted Nana's muffins for Samantha. I love that Samantha opens the door and was like, I have a tour group coming through my vagina shortly. But Charlotte apologizes. She shows off the muffins. Samantha ushers Charlotte into her apartment, which you never think about Samantha and Charlotte hanging out on their own. No, never think about it. But I love the Carrie voiceover here where she says that Samantha realized that this was Charlotte's way of saying thank you for fucking my brother. Because she could clearly never say those words. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting fast forwarding to next season when Charlotte does get married and there is the night before rehearsal dinner where Samantha sets her sights on Trey's cousin, the Scottish cousin, Mm -hmm. that there's no reference to like, well, I can't fuck the other groomsmen because that's Charlotte's brother and I fucked him last year. So Miranda's back at the gym on family day again. Yeah, girl, just, it's not (laughs) even family day. Carrie says in her voiceover, it's family hour. Just go on a different hour. She finds herself in the exact same situation in an elevator with a child that wants to push the button. Well, this time it's a woman. So, you know, I think Miranda was also like, I'm not going to flirt with you. Not till 18 years from now. (laughs) Right. And the mom goes, can he, he loves pressing the buttons. Can he? And Miranda goes, I love pressing the buttons too. And then she presses it. Such a funny moment. Like so unhinged in reality, but so funny. It's giving Larry David. And I also think the context of when this episode was airing in the zeitgeist, that this was such like a single woman cheer of like, yeah, fuck people with kids. We can press buttons too. So Carrie and Justin Theroux go back to the parents' house. Carrie wearing maybe one of her hottest outfits ever yeah it's definitely one of the best carry outfits i have no idea who made this dress and as far as i can tell no one has id'd it but it's like a gray bodycon dress and then she's wearing aviators a vintage gucci handbag and i think just like strappy sandals of some kind truly incredible since vaughn won't talk about his sexual issues seems like a a sartorial passive aggressive move where it's like fine you won't fuck me you won't talk about not fucking me i'm gonna dress the hottest i've ever looked for brunch with your parents (laughs) it's true so his parents have just come back from the theater they just saw a british actress simulate a blowjob on stage do you remember like the controversy with nicole kidman starring in the blue room on Broadway. Oh, I vaguely remember this. This has to be based on that. I remember that she showed her ass in that play. I don't remember hearing about a simulated blowjob, but I wouldn't be surprised. The timing lines up because she was in it in 1998 and this episode came out a year later in 1999. And of course, the lesbian sister is like, did she show her tits? And the lesbian sister already has a girlfriend who she's invited to brunch as well. Which you're like, why are we introducing a new character five minutes before this episode ends? But it becomes clear in a second. I do love that Justin Theroux, for the majority of the scene, is just in the deep background being a little bitch about wanting to know where the scallion cream cheese is. Yeah, he's like throwing a full tantrum. So Carrie wisely decides to get up and leave. Carrie, as a as a writer for print media, has the best excuse, which is, oh, I forgot about my deadline. So she goes to leave and... The mom follows her. She says, look, honey, 
I know my son's a premature ejaculator, but you know what? There are more important things to think about, like family. Despite previously explaining how important Carrie's work is, she's like, look, 77% of marriages are sexless, to which I was like, are they? That can't be true. This is when Carrie realizes who she actually needs to break up with, Justin Thoreau's mother. I was sad for both of them in that moment. Yes, as I was saying that, I realized like, oh, she never actually breaks up with Justin Thoreau. Like, I wonder if he calls her a day later and is like, so you want to go see a movie with Thursday night? I hope he's not that big of a loser. So she ends things with the mom, walks out onto the street, and runs into the girls who have all planned a lunch without her, I guess. This is such a lovely moment. I mean, there is nothing better than accidentally running into your friends when you have nothing to do. Mm -hmm. You can just join them for a drink or something. But like what we know about the girls and the way that we usually see them, which is all four of them at brunch, you're like, wait, hold on a second. What? Charlotte, Miranda, and Samantha hang out without Carrie? (laughs) Are they like, oh, fuck, she's here. We didn't think she would be on this side of town. But this happens this way to reinforce the idea that this is Carrie's family and she's now back with her family. She doesn't need his family because he can't fuck her. And neither can they. But, you know, she's made her choice. So how many Manolos are we giving this? Seven out of 10 Manolos. Okay. It's not a bad episode, of course, but it's not the funniest of Sex in the City episodes. Not a lot happens. There aren't iconic lines or like... The, I fucked a guy because his parents had a pool. That's the icon. That is the iconic line. That's the line of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Not really one you can just say out in public a lot. And there are other episodes that are more exciting from a fashion standpoint. Like we do get the one brilliant Carrie outfit, but there's not a ton of memorable stuff happening here. I would say after the Dior newsprint dress, like what is on girls Pinterest boards is that outfit at the end. No, it's good. I'm just saying that outfit alone is not going to influence me to give it the highest score. I'm going to give it six Manolos. So we're going to give this six and a half Manolos. I can live with that. All right. Well, feel free to call into the hotline and give us recommendations for the next episode we should watch. As you can tell, we have no order. (laughs) Just, you know, just vibes. Just vibes. And yeah, we will be back next month with another Sex and the City rewatch. And in the meantime, remember that the most exciting, challenging, and significant relationship of all is the one that you have with your Oh, I thought you were going to say with your vibrator. All right, guys, we love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.